Uh, hello and welcome back. I am John Hammontree, and I am and I am finally emerging from the fog uh, with my right. stalwart co-host Brian Oliu. Brian, how are you doing? Hey, John. Uh, I am <laughs> doing great. Let's, just had a birthday. Just had a birthday. Um, just won the Iron Bowl. You know, have in the words of Nick Saban, nah. my favorite quote that he always pulls out every single year is uh, <laughs> these players have given themselves the opportunity <laughs> to play in this game. Um, it's his it's his go to line every single time anyone asks him about um, any any game that's not officially on the schedule, um, whether that's a bowl game, whether that's a uh, championship game, whether that's college football playoff. But it's one of my favorite Nick Saban rhetoric lines it's a good know. line i mean he he's had a it's lot a good of good line. lines in the last week uh and 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 rightly so it was um you know i mean what what, what have you settled on for calling this game i i i think fourth and 31 is about as clean as it gets but i i like the miracle uh the milro miracle I, I, mill throw is hard to say uh, i don't care yeah for the mill throw. yes uh i <laughs> like the uh the the miracle the miracle <laughs> at mill at uh at Millie County, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, I was a really big fan of that. Fourth and a um, Millie is good. Fourth and a Millie. Fourth and a Millie is good. I really like that one. I think like, you know, it's always funny. There's there's some there's some guy in my mentions um, and not just mine, but like one of those people that just like slides in. He's like, well, technically it was fourth and goal. It was not fourth and, and 31. It was fourth and goal from the 31. What a loser. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, all right, man. Like, I get it. I understand. Yeah. You're, you're right for sure. Which, um, to the credit, made it incredibly difficult. Like, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I like the mill throw. I like, you know, it has a couple different things. I think it will just be 4th and 31. I think that's catchy enough. We have 2nd and 26 and 4th and 31, and I think that's good. And Nightmare um, Jordan Hare is not bad. Um, yeah. I mean, so there are so many people, like, providing suggestions, but, like, those are, like, Auburn, we've already used those, or Auburn yeah. used them. Yeah, right? yeah. Disaster on the pasture, you know? Um, you know, they've that the George someone was using the one that they they call the Georgia game when they the helmet catch. Oh yeah, yeah. Um I can't remember that one, but yeah, it's 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 a tough job. It, I was I was thinking about it, you know, it's as a uh as a fellow daycare parent, I made it to Sunday after a whole like, you know, four straight days of no daycare and hosting Thanksgiving and hosting a birthday party and the Iron Bowl, and I was just like so exhausted. Um and I just like took the child for a drive and like sat by the Mississippi river and just like tried to come up with as many puns as possible. And it's not easy. It was not a, sometimes they're pretty easy. I'm very like, my job is coming up with clever titles and puns and the proper words for things. And it was, it was not easy. Um, yeah, I did like the, uh, what was it? The, the hail dairy. That was pretty good. Um, and then I, I think the official win graphic was the no time to like making a bond reference, right? The yeah. no time to die. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's there's plenty of things that of of the lore, of the legend, um, of it all will will find its way. Uh, you know. Now I have a question. Do you think because obviously Nick Saban has said that they practice this play every Friday, and he said, I'm not gonna tell you what the name of the play is, or if it had a name, yeah. I wouldn't tell you what it was. And yeah. of course, Bond has said the name of the play is Gravedigger. Do you yes. think the name of the play is actually Gravedigger or just Bond thinks that would be a cool name for this play? Because, I, I mean, I just I I don't see <laughs> like Nick Saban naming a play Gravedigger, but I, maybe, maybe it is. I 
I think I I think it's actually called Gravedigger. All right, uh, because all right. there is something called a there's there's like a dig route, like a dig yeah, route is like a, is a running route. So uh, I don't know if that play is a, is a dig. Route. It's it it seemed chaotic. That but, play was back in football. Yeah, right. It was. I mean, so watching that play, it seems super chaotic. The mo- the most amount of chaos is Hugh Freeze is so dumb. Yeah, yep. like we do we do not. Uh, that play does not happen if Hugh Freeze isn't an idiot. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it, and Milro does a great thing. Everyone goes to one side, draws everyone to the right side. Milro looks at the right side the entire time and he knows he has Bond heading to the left corner and he, that's where he throws the ball. Uh, it throws an unbelievably perfect pass and that is not an easy catch for Bond to make at all. Um, nope. and I just, uh, yeah, just that's, I, I keep coming back to this. Like, you know, even people joke, oh, fourth and 31, like that was harder because you have a full stop, right? If I, if you say, "Hey, John, you got you, it's fourth and thirty-one, uh, you're on your own twenty-yard line." Well, you have an entire field to work with, right? You know, this one you have literally thirty-one plus like seven, like the the end zone, right? So you yep. you have a, a more confined space to work with than a typical fourth and thirty-one. Um, and so, I the amount of difficulty on that astronomical. The amount of difficulty on that would have been even more astronomical if Hugh Freeze uh, didn't put a spy on the quarterback and rush two um, in truly, truly sensational. Just like an all-time coaching flub. Phenomenal. It's true. I mean, yeah. Uh, Because they, you know, were were handing it to us for most of the game and we we were struggling i mean huh. you know uh, a muff punt and and you yeah. know the mill throw uh being the difference in the game was um a testament to how consistently they could run the ball on us and move the ball on us and and you know uh and stymie us on on offense and so but uh you know he the head coach has to make those decisions in clutch moments, and he clearly was not equipped to do so. No, no. It was you know, a game that I always talk talk about. Like, it's the line I always say is getting late, right? Like, and then some games get late early, you know? Like, the Texas game was like, oh, it's getting late. Oh, it's getting late early, <laughs> right? Like, so I always come back to that. And so that game with the way that Auburn was running the ball and, and ball control and you know, you look up and yeah, that third, probably fastest third and fourth quarter in CBS football history, like it flew. You just looked up and all of a sudden next year, you're like, oh shit, there's this game that we've, it looks like we've been dominating. It looks like we should be in a position. We're obviously having a lot more explosive plays. Like Peyton Thorne was a hilarious, I forget what his numbers wound up being, but it was truly hilarious. Um, And you're like, how? just a classic. I, I mean, I'm sure every single person watching this game like felt the exact same way watching the iron bowl just being like here i am again every year i tell myself like oh we're a much better team you know we're going down to auburn it's not going to matter this year this year it's not going to matter no it just and then (laughs) they come here and we just beat the brakes off of them and that's usually how it works so it's like all right we'll see you again in another year um but that's that is kind of how i felt just like that feeling of just like how is this happening? How is this continuing to happen? How is this, you know, playing the hits, right? Played all the hits. Uh, and I hate being pe- like a, yeah. uh, the refs, you know, hater, but like, oh, I mean, the bad. ref, I mean, uh, uh, 
one of the worst officiated games uh, I've ever seen. And of course, that leads to one of the most miserable CBS uh, commentary experiences I've ever had. I mean, Gary was just on one the entire day. It was. It was especially bad. And I, you know, I give everyone kind of some leeway. You know, I obviously give the rest leeway. Um, you know, they're human. I give I even give Gary Danielson some leeway because um, I do think he's smart. But he's also the the classic. The Gary Danielson thing is that he never lets things go. He picks one thing and he'll never let it go for the rest of his life. Like, And so that's kind of how it works. And then obviously we have the kick six involved. Right. Um, you know, which is the thing that is, you know, never going to be let go. Um, and to be fair, rightfully so, it's the greatest place in football history. But like, you know, it was just the combination of all of those things. Um, and the refs were, they were rattled. It, it had been a, I hadn't seen a game in a while where that crew, they miss, I feel like they missed that first, like, you know, we had the, the face mask that wasn't a face mask, sure. which was a, Interesting call because he was blocked into like he got blocked in the back and then they committed a face mask. Like, you know, there were two penalties that like you could say, oh, this penalty caused this other penalty, but the personal foul penalty is usually what caused like that's the thing that's going to supersede it. So which never got called. And from that point forward, they were just missing left and right. Like they the three men in uh mm-hmm. like the the three men in motion on, God, on the offside so call. Yeah just like astonishingly bad and it wasn't like oh they're calling a game this way or they're calling a game that way but just like you know i was talking to some folks and i've had friends who'd ref before and um you know there's someone also yeah. who's like oh yeah i know like i ref like lacrosse games on like not obviously not at a big level but like you start seeing ghosts out there if you're like heightened the you know the 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 fans get to you the atmosphere gets to you you know I think we've all been in situations where we're asked to like look after something and we get dialed in and then all of a sudden we just start missing things. And I think like collectively they were just, you know, they couldn't dial back into the game or, you know, they knew that the game was getting out of hand. Uh, it was getting chippy I mean, and they just, I'm not a big recover. like uh, body language expert guy. I think that's kind of like bullshit voodoo, like <laughs> debate yes. science, but yes, sure just is. like watching the ref's face, trying to review that catch mm-hmm. that they ultimately said was not a catch. Uh, or, oh or said, yeah. Upheld the play. I mean, he just, he looked exhausted and he looked defeated yep. and he looked like yep. he knew no matter what, like, oh, you know, this is one of the most important calls in the game. And, I don't know enough to get it right. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm Bama fan. You're a Bama fan. I think that was a catch. I think it was very clearly a catch. I think, yeah, a situation where one ref says it's not a catch on the field and one ref says it is a catch on the field, you shouldn't be able to and defer back to just uh, upholding the play in that situation. Right, right. <laughs> upholding the call in that situation. Um, but you know, ultimately, it, it worked out. Otherwise, I would have been griping about the refs for years to come. But and yeah, I still will I be, just... probably. <laughs> um, but I will say, you know, we're at a point now heading into the SEC championship. Um, you know, if I went back and listened to like two or three of the of the episodes that I've appeared on this season, I did not <laughs> think we were going to be in this position. I thought this was a four loss Bama team. And so now, you know, uh, you never want to be satisfied and you never want to like settle for... <laughs> For you know, just appearing in an SEC championship or just appearing in a New Year's Bowl, but I, 
we're playing with house money right now, uh, as far yes. as I'm concerned. And so uh, I feel like th- this is one of the rare Alabama teams where no matter how this season ends, I'm already happy with the result. I'm already satisfied with this team and so excited for all the players we get back next year. I think, yeah, I think that's kind of where I land. The one I was, I will say this, the, the thing, of course, that is the, the crop, like the thing that makes you upset, right? I think is, you know, Georgia, right? Like if Georgia was right, on yeah. the verge of a, you know, three P, um, you know, I think that's, that's the thing that as Bama fan and myself too, it's like, you know, if we don't do it, I don't see anyone else doing it. You know, like that's kind of where I'm at. You're like, yeah. you know, classic situation where you know, you have to be spoiler. Right. Um, and so I think that's, that's the role that we find ourselves in, which is always kind of a fun role. Um, you know, I do think kind of, we have a lot less at stake because of that. Like, I think Georgia I agree. Like, has like the, the Georgia players have <laughs> to be carrying that, you know, 29 game winning streak burden into absolutely into the Mercedes Benz stadium. Um, Absolutely. And I think that's a thing against the team that, you know, the last team to beat you was us, right? Like that we were the last team to beat them um, in that SEC championship game and they haven't beaten us in an SEC championship game. Um, And so I think, you know, that's, there's a lot kind of riding on them. And I, I, I feel like just, you know, the way this team team is, they are resilient, man. Like, I feel like that is what Nick Saban keeps coming back to is just like the resilience of this team. And the ability to make a play and finding a way to win. I mean, that last game was a perfect example. Like, you know, we punted that ball away and I was just like, we're in trouble, man. Like I just, you kind of felt, I always have hope. I have hope to the very end. That's who I am. Uh, But I have moments where I'm like, we're in trouble. Right. And we go three and out. I think the second executive three and out. And I was just like, we're punting the ball back. They've run the ball down their throats. Like we are so close to danger. And then the, the kid muffs the punt, who was not two frees again, didn't know that kid was out there. <laughs> right. right. I, I just I that boggles my mind. And I've seen some people try to defend freeze and say, oh, he was just trying to create some ambiguity so people wouldn't be so mad at the player, which doesn't make no. any sense. Like that, that literally no. makes no sense. <laughs> no. Well, oh, yeah. I'd rather have be mad at the other player who just wandered out there. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And Hugh Freeze is not that smart and he does not care that much. No, he, and he uh, and will so, throw players under the bus if he needs to. <laughs> or, oh, not even a thousand percent. Uh, no, yeah, he's he's like I mean, I the the he's like one of those the the mastermind coaches. I always say this about those <laughs> coaches, and those are the ones that drive me crazy. Which is like this would have been perfect if it were you meddling kids, right? Like yeah. I had a perfect plan. I was is truly genius. You guys screwed up. Lane Kiffin is guilty of that, and of course, you know, um, you know, they're Dabo is people. guilty of that. Dabo is guilty of that. Um, that was always, yeah, the the issue. I think you have like Dan Mullen too. Um, you know, all these all these folks. And so, you know, uh, but yeah. And so I, but hey, they found a way. They absolutely found a way. And like, you know, it just skating on thin ice constantly. I made the a tweet about the fourth and one call where the obvious choice is just have Jalen Burrow fall thrower forward. And I was like, we're obviously going to do the little weird thing to Isaiah Bond. Right. Uh, which we did. We ran a pitch um, <laughs> where we needed a Robbie. Oots, it was know, a block of his life. Very ballsy call. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, yes, you know, it, it, it seems like, uh, you know, the Jalen Hurts uh, brotherly shove tush push is like yes. the, the obvious play to go to there. But 
Yes. I guess I forget there's some rule in college where you can't do it officially in college. Uh, I think there's like some line of the scrimmage rule that makes it I see. Uh, illegal in college. So if you can't do this specific like 99.9% success rate, although we say 99.9, another great thing, doesn't mean 100%. Uh, we that's should right. win the game with 99%. So, um, but yeah, I think that's kind of, yeah, it was all those things where I was just like, all right, we pulled that off, pulled that off. And then I, another blow and play, you know, uh, which at the time, like that was an illegal snap, like an illegal delay a game, right? Like they, the Auburn player ran up, clapped, um, yep. and then caused the, the snap of the ball, which is illegal. But as I said, like if you're an Auburn fan, you see that these refs are struggling. You do whatever you, you do literally whatever. Yeah. You know, you try everything. I mean, you could talk about, I mean, the, the thing the Auburn fans claim was like, oh, is a bomb pushed off? It's like, yeah, hell yeah. You would push like, right. Well, I mean, they're not going to thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I, I, in, in the other, uh, nail biter with a Jalen over the weekend, um, I saw Darius yes. Slay made a comment about, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I grabbed his Jersey. Uh, yeah, I held, uh, they didn't call it. So yeah. Nobody's perfect. This happens every game. Uh, players yeah. are always, you know, pushing off or grabbing or holding each other. And some, I mean, yeah. when it's egregious, you hope it gets called, uh, when it's, yeah. when it's, you know, when it's ticky tack, you hope it doesn't get called. Uh, but right. know, the, the reality is it happens on every single play. Uh, every right. single game. And so, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes they miss it. And these refs missed a lot. Yeah, they were just, I don't know what they were looking at or what they were told to look at or what they had. They were focused somewhere <laughs> else. It felt like they were just, I, I'm told like when folks ref, like you get things that you look for, you focus it on very specific things. You kind of learn the flow of the game. And then you're like, mm-hmm. okay, like this is how the game's going. I need to watch for this, this, and this. You know, obviously this team's running a lot. I need to watch for, a lot of inside run stuff holds there, et cetera. And then like, but the game was yeah. just so wacky. And that was obviously like, it's very Auburn because that was like thinking back to, you know, the Gus Malzahn offense is that game was played against the refs too. Yeah. Because like that hurry up, no huddle was meant to confuse the refs. And so a legal men downfield, like they didn't know to look for that where everything looked like a run and all of a sudden it was yeah. a pass. Like referees had no clue what to do with that. Yeah. Um, and so as a result, like, that's why you heard all these people complain about illegal man downfield and why it's called so much more now um, and why they've kind of instituted some of those rules. And so, but it was, it was strange. It was like, again, it was weird to see a group that shook um, playing the game. And, you know, I, I it's like any other, uh, so I watched like for my birthday, right? So I, I usually watch like a classic film for my birthday. So I watched uh, Victory or Escape to Victory as it's known. Which is the Sylvester Stallone, Michael Caine, Pele soccer movie? Okay, um, uh, you, you said this is a classic film. <laughs> it truly is. It's incredible. On it, go watch it. It's great. Uh, you know, it's a classic film where uh, they essentially have a labor camp or concentration camp during uh, World <laughs> War II, and it's like a bunch of Americans and like the the British are captured, and then the Germans say, "Oh, we want to do an exhibition of German strength and beat this soccer like this ragtag soccer team." Um, but of course there's the crooked ref, right? right? And so it's like, oh, we have to play against them, but also have to play against the ref. And so, you know, at some point, like Alabama, I think recognized, like, you know, (sighs) internally, externally, again, the refs weren't out for Alabama, but they weren't doing either team any favor. And so you're just like, okay, we just got to do it. And the fact that they, they're able to keep it together, keep their cool, um, you know, not get horrible personal foul penalties, which could have happened at any 
any point I mean, in any, that game. In the first half of the season, it would have happened yeah. the entire game. Oh, yeah. I mean, yep. that, that, yeah. Yeah. Yes, a thousand percent. But um, yeah, just a just a wild time. Just a truly, truly wild time. And, I, you know, I mean, I, I think that's a testament to how far Jalen Milrow has come and how far uh-huh. his team has come. And I do think, you know, I mean, I, I just got finished saying I'm, I'm happy with it the result no matter what but i do think that like you know we could beat any of the top five teams in the Give country right now i think Give we could shot. beat texas uh right now yep um and so you know i i can't get in the mind of the committee we're going to talk about the committee here in a little while and, and figure out you know uh should uh undefeated florida state go in over us yeah probably um you know then it comes down to to texas and and i think that's a big question mark but I do well, think that there's a lot of other factors at play here. I think that the committee is going to salivate over the possibility of of uh, Washington to win in the Pac-12's last year in existence. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, the the uh, storyline of Texas leaving the Big 12 uh, as as a defending champion, as a reigning champion, um, mm-hmm. I think is that's an impossible storyline for them to to try to overlook. And so, you know, I, I think we are. We are in the hunt, which is not what I expected this team to be. And I think that it we are in an interesting position going into next year. They released uh, you know, the the schedule of some of our SEC games yeah. next season. And uh my jaw dropped when I saw we go on the road to play Oklahoma the weekend before the Iron Bowl. The it's weekend just, before the Iron Bowl. <laughs> it's just insane. And then our other uh uh opponent in November is LSU. And so I mean we're gonna have to take the bye, I guess, between LSU and and Oklahoma. Uh, There's a. I think they they threw in like a cupcake game somewhere in there. But yeah, yeah. Well, I know we have we have. I think just one cupcake on the schedule for next year um, to start yeah, the season, I think, and then we've got Wisconsin, or maybe there's two yeah. to start the season. We've got USF, which who, we was not a cupcake for us this year. Uh, I think yeah, yes, <laughs> I was there, and uh, um, so you know, I I just. We're at the end of an era. Uh, we're at yeah. the end of an era that Alabama has been historically dominant during, and so mm-hmm. I I think it would also be a fitting storyline for us to be in the college football playoff. But uh, I recognize that yeah. would make a lot of people very angry. Um, and which so is also a part. Which is also part of the era. So that, you know, that's if, true. If that's truly, true. <laughs> Alabama getting in and making everyone angry, like you know, that's truly the the four team playoff BCF. And you're right. I think like the fact of the matter. I mean, I think. Yeah, the the fact of the matter is that like, yeah, we define the era, right? And you can say we split that with Georgia, certainly. Um, you know, and I think obviously, you know, depending on you can always count the numbers, right? If if Georgia, you know, wins another one, it's it's essentially okay. They ended the first half of the era, second half of the era, kind of add it that way. But um, but yeah, I think that whole concept too, and, and I think if anything, they'll point to the fact that this is like, this is why we need to expand the playoff, right? Like, because we can, we had some And two years teams. ago, I would have said that's bullshit. But right now, I mean, the way, yeah. the way this season is lined up, yeah, you, you do need to expand the playoff. That's and cool. next year, it might be bullshit. Like, you know, we, this is a thing that hasn't happened. There's right. been a in very rare, league, like, yeah. yeah. And so maybe you have like one team in, maybe another team yeah. not in. Um, But that's, that's a, that's a fascinating <laughs> thing that I keep coming back to is like, just the sheer amount of teams that could find their way in um, at this moment. But like, 
this is something that again you know it's the claim that's like oh well you know yeah we're going from two teams bcs two teams to four teams like well we're gonna complain about the fifth team being left out and you're like yeah that's that's true but that didn't always happen it was a pretty clear cut top four uh yeah and we'll see what happens I mean, sometimes it was a clear cut, cut top two <laughs> you know that, right right you know, exactly that, very clear and then yeah. the other two were just like yeah okay here here's your uh consolation prize cincinnati here's a consolation prize washington here's yeah. your consolation prize whomever and michigan so, state michigan state and right. so i think yeah it is kind of the end of this era which is i think we're gonna look back obviously as alabama fans we're gonna look back on it fondly the the 14 yeah. playoff and um you know and i and i wonder how it's going to be a thing kind of in retrospect too is kind of thinking back of you know this is kind of the last holding on of of traditional college football before thinking about these ideas of you know when you wanted to win a national Mm -hmm. championship like it's proving Mm -hmm. now one loss will keep you out right there's going to be a one loss team that's not going to get in uh and you know in the future yeah our schedule is going to be I mean, next Bananas. year we play Georgia regular season, so we can't both Georgia be uh, undefeated uh, at the end of the right. season. Um, exactly. And, you know, it, we're, it bodes well for the right. rich, right? People say, oh, it's going to give teams other new opportunities. It's like, well, it's going to give the Alabamas of the, you know, they're going to give, it's going to be like uh, March Madness, but without the, the guaranteed buffer, right? Like, there are so many times mm-hmm. in March Madness where, you know, we're putting a, like, 18 and 10 iowa in the like as a 10 seed as opposed to like a 26 and four mid-major team in right and so i think we're gonna get more of that we're gonna get they want the helmets they want the names you know that extra bonus spot that's like floating is not gonna go to the two lanes of the world it's going to go to a sec championship loser or it's going to go to a you know the big 10 like third best team after michigan ohio state and whoever kind of you know loses to them twice right it's gonna go penn state like so this is this is for and so that'll be helpful but also for us if we're reaching the end of the dynasty if we need a little bit more room for error because we're not as dominant before it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be great for us because we'll be in the conversation every single year yeah no i mean and then there's always the chance that you know you make a uh, Dallas Mavericks run where everything goes right, or you make a late yeah. San Antonio Spurs run where everything goes right, or you you know the 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 uh, Lakers COVID year uh, where things just fall your way, and maybe you're a team that isn't you know that wasn't dominant right. during the regular season, but you just happen to have you know you happen to get. I mean, it, this is what always happens in. Uh, professional baseball you know i mean like yeah october oh, yeah. is no bearing i mean the regular season is no bearing for what happens in october and so i think yeah uh we could see that future in college football and you know i don't know i mean uh, uh i think that'll be an interesting thing to to work through whether or not it'll be better uh, or more reflective of who is the actual best team in the country um at, when it's all said and done um but you know i, mean, I, I, I think- don't think march madness regularly crowns the best team in college basketball right i do think it's the best uh tournament in in college sports Um, oh yeah i think like i mean we're all going to be turned into like kentucky basketball fans where you know oh we were clearly the best team in the country but now we have to like go through this silly very odd tournament um which is his own thing very much so in college football 
playoff is still going to be it's the tournament's so divorced from the, like regular season how like even the style of play where you have to play a week like essentially back to back you know once every, one every other night and so um so it's still going to be college football it's still going to be very you know it, the product's going to be the product i don't think it's going to feel like a different format whatsoever but um it's going to be different it's going to be it's going to be different and i i'm i'm I say it's gonna be different. I feel like we're gonna adjust so fast. I adjusted so fast to like the four, right? Like, you know, that was a, such a yeah. quick adjustment. Oh, I mean, I'm ready uh, right now. Like, I mean, I, I oh yeah, I, I, I mean, would look, love to see look, the tournament we, this year. <laughs> oh, of course. If you're an yeah. Alabama fan right now, like, absolutely. We're yeah, I mean, even just right? as a college like, football fan, like, I, you know, uh, give Ohio State another shot. Uh, you know, yeah. give Oregon another shot. Um, um, yeah. I think that's the thing where it's gonna be <laughs> a little frustrating especially for like fans, not Alabama fans, certainly and Alabama fans too, where it's like, I think back to when we beat Georgia the last time and then, but we had to, you had to beat them twice. Right. And like, that was my feeling every single time with room for error the entire season. I was like, we have to beat Georgia twice and we're not going to beat Georgia twice. Um, and so you're hoping you were like, well, if we win the SEC, like we can lose the SEC championship game and then beat it. Like that's where you're, but then the, Margin Ferrer got a race where it's like, okay, it was a win and in situation. So it's like, oh, we're going to go one and one. It's just a question of which one you're going to win and which one you're going to not. So yep. there's going to be a lot of cases where beating a team is a massive deal during the regular season. And then all of a sudden they pop back up. You know, it's like, it's Alabama. It's like, we're a zombie. You think you've killed us. And next thing you know, here we are um, just kind of like lurking right now. Right now we're just standing outside the door. Because you know, we all know that Sark wouldn't beat us twice. Like if we happen to face no, Texas no. in the college football playoff this year, like it's it, you know, in, I I think we should go in the favorite uh, at least. Um, oh yeah, no, I think absolutely for sure. And you know, I, it's we've just gotten so much better as a team, and and I think watching that trajectory has been really awesome. And I think like I just I'm glad we're getting a shot. That's that's how I feel. Is I'm just like. And that's how I feel about any single time. But even last year, I was like, you know, this team is not perfect. It's not certainly not perfect. Very frustrating. I was like, but give us a shot. Throw us out yeah. there. See what happens. You know, like. And it's just, I mean, you know, it, it, it's fun to watch players uh, reach their potential. Like, I feel like we've had a lot of teams in the past where players have just not met their potential. And that's why we've been on the outside looking in. But like this year, it feels like you've had a lot of players who just shown such tremendous growth this season uh that you know it just it just makes it fun i don't know the, uh this has been one of the most fun i mean it's been frustrating and, and each individual game has been infuriating but this has been one of the most fun college football teams uh for alabama that i remember in you know the last decade oh. uh, I, i've really enjoyed watching this team uh and i hope that we get to you know continue the ride through the through the college football playoffs yeah i think like you make a good point. I feel whether it's Bill O'Brien or whatever, but like it was the past two years were not overly fun to watch, you know, like it was fun to watch Bryce young be a magician and just be like, dear God, Bryce just bail us out. Um, but yeah, I, this, I think this team, the personalities of this team, you know, the fact that they're kind of imperfect, but you know, as opposed to your classic Nick Saban robots, I think that that has really added a lot to it as well and to see people continue to rise and 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 have that lank mentality right the the doubters the haters the whatever um i think all of that stuff has generated a lot of affability towards this team 
um, and, you know, kind of seeing it grow. And, and I think also the big, let's not discredit this, but just like the changing of minds about this team too, right? Like normally our mind changing is like, oh, we're going to, we're going to go in, we're going to be incredible. We're going to go 15 and 0 and, and win a national championship. And then we have to change our mind and manage our expectations. Whereas I think this year, especially because we lost earlier than we ever lose, you know, our expectations were very low, um, you know, that we terrible game against South Florida. And yeah, I mean, I think the South Florida exceeded. game was really the turning point for me. If it had just been the Texas yeah. loss, then I would have, oh, yeah. you know, felt like, okay, well, we can still be in the hunt. But then to, to follow that was such an atrocious yeah. game against South at South Florida. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, looking back on it, I mean, it was it, it, I'm glad that we, yeah. you know, subbed in Buckner early on just to show like, you know, that Milro was going to be the guy. And I mean, I think he's played with, uh, you know, a weightlessness since that point. Um, Absolutely. And I think that's gone a long way to, uh, to I, what I thought was very fascinating. I'm sure folks saw this too, because I'm sure they've watched replays with us all the time. Completely stone faced. After throwing that touchdown, everyone, everyone on the team, like barely celebrated the touchdown, right? Like it was just bonded his little 007 pose, you know, even well, the lighter say, like, uh, give me the Heisman and, and all that stuff. But <laughs> that's the thing that's different, right? But yeah. in that moment, it was just like cold kill, like whatever, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then getting off the field, the emotion just like coming out, give me the fucking Heisman, like just like screaming it. And you're like, oh, right. like be, that's a dial. That's a type of dialed in that is not inter, not, not what I expected. No, I yeah, I think, and, and I mean, I'm excited that we get another season with them, and I, I'm excited that, um, you know, that Tommy Reese, you know, has to. Uh, I mean, I think we had a lot of speculation coming into the season that he did not want Jalen Milrow to be his quarterback, uh, and that he did not believe yeah. that Milrow should be his quarterback, and I think now, um, having having a proven uh, commodity on his hands, and also you know, building an uh, a uh, offense that plays more to Milrow's strengths than they should, you know, take a step up together uh next season, uh, you know, another year with uh with the same offense under their belt. But we'll see. Yeah. I I feel the exact same way. And I think like, you know, you have to sometimes give yourself I mean, we're so impatient as a fan base, of course, like brand new quarterback, brand new offense coordinator. Um, we just kind of expect coming in and an automatic like perfection and clicking, because that's just, you know, we we don't rebuild, we reload. And it's like, well, that's sure. That's a, that's marketing lines. Like, but it's hard. Like it's, it's difficult to kind of establish those things. And I feel like it truly has. And just kind of that gaining power and, and playing better as the course of the season goes on is, is I think what provides us a lot of kind of excitement, um, as opposed to, you know, the Bill O'Brien era where it just felt like we were being dragged through, you know, and just like dragging ourselves to the finish line every single year, every single game, season to season. Bill O'Brien and um, Pete Golding. Uh, to, yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> Pete. That was a big oh, source Pete. of the frustration last year. Uh, was, um, you know. Yeah. Just like exactly. And I think, you know, to be freed of that. And I think, you know, uh, Villero got fair criticism. And I think, you know, also, you know, Tommy Reese yeah. got fair criticism. Um, but, you know, maybe not to the extent of, of, the house is on fire. Uh, but yeah, I think the fact that they were like, Oh no, we're going to figure this out. And they, they did. And, um, it's, it's been cool. It's honestly been fascinating and interesting. And I don't know 
how much, you know, usually Alabama teams are just like fully prepared, baked out of the box. Like it's September. Here we are. We're fully formed. And to little minute tweaks and little minute things. But this is a team where you've like actually been able to see like the storyline growth of it. And of course, we're all about narrative here on Fog Advisory. And we love kind of the metaphor and we love the, the moving things forward. And so I think, and as fans, we like that too. We love seeing someone like Isaiah Bond, who we didn't know. I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh, he's our number one receiver. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's, he's up there playing a lot and playing extremely well and making an incredibly clutch catch at, at an opportune time. And I mean, yeah, I think he's just achieved Bama immortality. That will be a play that will play on the Jumbotron before games yes. for the next 30 years. Um, Rid his name in crimson flame, man. And <laughs> that's right. That is that's him, and and then Milrow did. It. I think that LSU game was like the Jalen Milrow game, but that's like that signature moment with that throw. Like you know, if you're yeah, you're never gonna, no one's ever gonna forget that. That's awesome. It is awesome, and that's I think awesome. um, you know, early on in the season, I think it was heading into <laughs> South Florida or coming out of South Florida uh, on Jocks. They were interviewing, um, or maybe it was Feinbaum, but they were interviewing <laughs> Robert Griffin the third, and I mean, he he said kind of early on like. You know, uh, young players, himself included, RG3 included, need time to develop. And, you know, Alabama was was very lucky and uniquely so in the last few years where we could plug and play, you know, first Jalen Hurts and then Tua and then Bryce. I mean, to have to have and Mac, uh, but to have, um, you know, Tua and Jalen at the same time. And I think that, you know, I. Yeah, ultimately it was the right call probably to pull Jalen for Tua because, you know, Tua is a generational passer. But yeah, I think if we look at at who Jalen Hurts has become, you know, you do see that like yeah. the, these players with that just insane work ethic and the ability to forget bad plays on the field do have this ability to to improve over time. And, you know, uh, sometimes getting benched is, is the few fire that drives them to to be great but i mean i do think that like this season and the last you know six years should give us some indication that yeah sometimes we just need to uh trust that this is the guy who's gonna who be the guy at the end of the season and and invest in their uh ability yeah Jalen miller the the people's champion that's i just i i always joke that uh he's the quarterback i see the most he wasn't in my class i saw two i mean i saw two every day but like you know, he'd be around town. I'd, I'd run into Jalen Milrow, like, you know, just of the people, just kind of out there. I, I mean, I think, you know, he was able, obviously, a little bit more under the radar. And now I don't think, I mean, they had Isaiah Bond, you know, at the basketball game last night uh, being, like, swarmed by kids. But, yeah, I think, like, you know, not even having that, that like, heightened level of celebrity that we're accustomed to, um, you know, at a quarterback position over the past couple of years. And, and I forget, too, like, you know, we always laugh, but this was a new development. Like we didn't Jalen Hurd, like, you know, we all remember the Jake Coker year. We remember having to Blake Sims, beloved Blake Sims, but that was a emergency to to put him in. Um, and it hasn't always been this way. Um, and so I think kind of going back to that concept, this is kind of a classic thing where it's a team that is built along and, and a quarterback that's gained a lot of confidence. And I think that's that's exciting to us. That's fun to us. That allows us to it lets us be a little hipster right it allows us to be a little i told you so it allows us to be like oh i was down with jill miller since the beginning you know i knew 
since the training camp videos where they refused to show the quarterback throwing and they would just throw the cast completion. We have come a long way from that. We've come a long way from that. Yeah. And I think that that will lead to a lot of people being, you know, uh, long time, uh, uh, long time Jalen Milrow fans, no matter, you know, if he's able to yeah, play at the next level or not. Uh, I think that, you know, if you, if you, uh, put your money on a player early on, I mean, I, you know, I'm this way with, with, with Jalen Hurts. I was, uh, absolutely. I'm Jalen Hurts say, truther yeah. since day one. And that makes me, uh, weirdly invested in, in the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, it doesn't hurt that they have eight, uh, Alabama players on the team, but, uh, right. No, for sure. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, um, whether it's, uh, you know, Jameer Gibbs and Brian Robinson getting a shot in the NFL. You know, I mean, I, I think that just like the guys who become our guys because maybe they aren't other people's guys early on uh, yeah. are, are the ones that, you you know, you follow through the course of their career. The ones, they're the ones that keep you coming back to uh, to college football. As miserable as, yeah. as uh, watching the Iron Bowl might have been up until the last minute, you know, this is a... Uh, I think you texted me, you know, this is why we do this to ourselves uh, or, or something like that yeah. after the yeah. Milrow Pass. Um, yeah. And so just a, just a great season. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about um, uh, our enemy of the week uh, and what's at stake with uh, Georgia and the college football playoff, Brian. Yeah. So obviously uh, we are playing Georgia in the SEC championship game and any other year. Um, this was just an automatic play in game for the college football playoff. You win, you're in. Um, we even had scenarios, which we rented before where didn't matter. Like Alabama was a win and in, but Georgia for loss was getting in anyway. Just kind of the way things shake down. You know, some teams just kind of rise to the top. Um, other teams do not and scheduling all those types of things. But for the most part, it's been pretty cut and dry. The college football playoff to their credit has, I think it gotten their choices right. Um, relatively across the board. Um, it's a, it's very easy in hindsight to kind of say, oh, this, that, the other thing. But, you know, to be honest, like this is this is a nightmare situation for them. This is going to be their hardest um, job to date. Um, and so, you know, in terms of kind of how how it operates, right? So there's they have 13 members um, on the selection committee. Um, they serve three-year terms, um, although some at the, at the, uh, the origins of it there are a couple who I think who served too. Uh, Condoleezza Rice, I believe, was famously on the chair. Uh, she one of the she first. would have put us in the game. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I was there when she flipped the coin during the 2005. Yeah, Bama's in, right? Um, you know, we love putting that stuff out. But meantime, you know, we have a, a Michigan man on the on the thing right now. You know, Michigan's AD is on the selection committee. Um, so, you know, initially there was a couple of folks that, that kind of do the rotation of members. Um, and then we have some more folks that are, are currently in, um, right now. Um, so, you know, a lot of times we, there are ADs, right. Um, Kentucky's AD is on there, uh, NC state, uh, Wyoming, um, Colorado's, uh, AD, I believe actually he might, his might've expired already. Um, Navy's AD, um, you know, we have a bunch of all, a lot of ADs. We have some offensive players who has played in the, the football league for a long time ago. Um, it's mostly kind of old timey football players who are retired um, or also athletic directors um, in relatively large positions. Um, I believe there's a sports report, a college football reporter um, who used to be uh, right for Sports Illustrated and USA Today, Kelly Whiteside, um, is on the team. Um, and so, um, 
you know, the goal, right, is they wanted to kind of have a proportion of Power Five athletic directors, former coaches, and then quote unquote other voters. Um, and so you kind of get the the fun bonus. Uh, you get the fun bonus voter in there, which I think is how we get the media folks. Um, so uh, they also wanted to be geographically balanced, um, and so they also had uh, there's a hundred names, and like they kind of pared things down. So I, I love. I kind of love this the selection committee selection committee idea where you have to get, you know, a hundred people uh write a whole list of names. We've got to whittle that down uh to our um our 13 people that all get together. Uh the joke is that they just go travel to a fancy Marriott um kind of each week. Uh I think I think the Marriott's change. I think they go to different they travel to different places. They're not just going to Indianapolis, they're going all over the place, um, various hosting. And so you get together, uh, usually on like a Monday night, uh, I think Monday night, Tuesday, and kind of get stuff together and do the selection committee. And then they send somebody up there um, to kind of deliver the news and explain the rationale behind it. Here's the in, thing, like the though. weirdest weekly TV show. Like it, uh, <laughs> it's the stu- oh my god, it's so dumb. I beloved Fog Faithful, don't stop watching that show. You get the text stop, alert. Stop. You don't have to watch the show stop interacting with any of it and it's like oh alabama's at eight here's the thing they have said multiple times multiple multiple times that past rankings do not are not like concurrent to like the current rankings they re-rank every single time it's not a move up move down situation it's not a, oh this person was at eight this week and they're going to oh so they're eight so now they're gonna move one spot to seven they redo it every single week so it's nonsense to even pay attention to any of it. It does not matter. None of it matters. People always try to see like, oh, what's the mentality of the, the oh, we can see we're read into this. Obviously, this one loss Oregon team right now is at Texas, and they're obviously going to have a you know a better position because they're they're ahead of Alabama and blah, 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 blah. But then if Alabama goes beach Georgia, like it's they're not going to just be like oh well one lot they're obviously taking into account one loss teams and other losses no they're not it is purely vibes it is a content farm for the rest of espn and fox sports and every other writer to talk about for the next 24 hours to uh, for the next five days uh until we play more games it is the lowest hanging fruit imaginable for sports media and the fact that it's on espn ESPN controls the playoff. Like it's college football is run by TV networks. Like that bots and and stop. There's NCA doesn't have anything to do with any of this stuff. It is television networks. It's put on by ESPN. We have a countdown to it. We do it. We analyze it uh, to create the matchups that they're going to create anyway. Um, and so it's all meant to create intrigue. It's all everything is professional wrestling, as I go back and say. So the only one that matters is the one that's going to happen on Sunday morning at whatever, 11 a.m., which they will drag out, right? Like, you know, it'll be a, a brutal long process as you kind of wait to see who who pops up there. Um, but there's no precedent for, for week to week. And every time we see it, we pop in, we're like, oh, wow, look who's at 13. Look who's at 14. Like, it's all nonsense. Uh, apparently, they still use the computer, the BCS computers, which is like, I, I love the BCS computers. They've kind of gotten it right every single time and we want to take it away, um, which I understand. Like we want to include a, 
we love saying include a human element to things, which means like, oh, we'd like the room to kind of like to to mess this up, right? Like we love to say human element to like, you know, it's a very nice positive thing we like to say, uh, to have an eye test, have all these things. But it also gives us nice and wiggle room to to see what we we truly want here. Um and so yeah, it is it's such a uh it's such a hilarious production. It's really funny. I think the the two things as I've learned when you're looking into the college football playoff, if you want to know if Alabama let's say Alabama beats Georgia, uh, or if you want to imagine this scenario, the two things you need to look at is to as to who is getting in and who is playing. Um not the don't look at the college football rankings. You need to look at two things. One, what's Kirk Herbstreet saying? Because he is the voice. He is the if there is a judge, jury, and executioner in college football, if there is a secret czar, <laughs> dark money in the shadows puppet master, it's Kirk Herbstreet. Whatever he's saying is usually gospel. Because he's the, the ESPN uh, company man. Is that why what you, he what is the saying? ESPN? He is the hundred percent the ESPN company man. He's probably the most recognizable face in college football. Yeah. That for, from a like it was like, hey, if if you asked anybody off the street, hey, what's what is Mike Slot like? Like what what is this? Uh, what's the NCA? I don't even know the guy's name. Head of the NCAA. Am I ever like? I forget. They all, what's his name? What does it look like? You don't know. Do you know who Kirk Herbstreit is? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Kirk Herbstreit. The other thing yep. is go to. Uh, not a gambling podcast. But go to the ESPN-owned sports book and look at the betting lines of who is getting in and who is not. That is what you need to look at to make sure to figure out who is in and who isn't. Um, if you've played any of those ESPN little gambling games or whatever, they are purposely meant to kind of confuddle you. Like They're spot on, right? You will see something that is, I always do their college pick them. Um, just kind of fun, you know, just, just for, to do it over the course of a season. I did an awful job this season. Um, but you always look at like, oh, this game, why is this game on there? This is a 10 and three team versus like a five and six mountain West team. And, you know, it winds up being an incredibly close game. They have that down to a science. They know exactly what they're looking at. So if you look kind of at betting odds, what's where, what are the percentages, all of the internal ESPN kind of betting percentages. Now they do their own college football percentages, which are very silly because, you know, those percentages are going to shift going game to game wildly, right? They're like Alabama is a 21% chance to make college football if I saw it's like, well, what happens when if they beat Georgia? Oh, it shoots up to like 63%. They're like, okay, so it literally is a week to week. That previous number does not rely on the next number because the 21% is taking into account of Alabama beating Georgia, which is probably a 40 to 60%, uh, 40 to 50% chance of happening. So I'm doing a bunch of Steiner math here for all my professional wrestler fans, but it's, that's what you look at everything else. Ignore it. It's all nonsense. It's meant to generate clicks. It's meant to generate watches. Um, all of these things it's meant to, um, make people argue on the internet and stay in the conversation. And, uh, I hate it and it's going to get worse next year. Yeah. But it's gonna get so much worse next year. We're we're uh, we're like five years away from like Chat GPT being the uh, college football playoff committee, and and yes. uh, then we will have come full circle with the with the BCS era. So I'm so excited. I saw somebody like in in genuine honesty, and it generated actual conversation where it's just like 
it's all bullshit, right? So it was like someone was like, well, what would have happened? They asked Chad TBT, like, what would have happened if like Auburn did like one thing? They're like, Auburn would have won been a 10 game winner for the next six years if this one thing happened. You're like, I like again, just because something is uh true doesn't make it correct, right? And so it's all it it's people love to use data and numbers to explain things and there the data is the data we cannot argue but like the set yeah, think about like what is crafting this data right like and that's that's the thing that we always love to come back to is is statistics and all these concepts and point to these things and you know percentage of winning all these these models that exist but you have to also take into account and sports yeah for sure but there's all this human element of people picking things that's where we're, we're, we're basing our data off that and that is so silly so funny um don't fall trap shout out to the liberal arts don't go the stem route kids hell yeah man <laughs> learn why learn why we use the data understand why we use the data uh well let's yeah. go to Atlanta let's let's beat the dogs and uh roll tide tonight roll tide tonight roll tide tonight Roll Tide tonight. Let's go.